Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Welcome to a special edition of The Practice Podcast. A special edition? Yeah, this, is, this wow. one's special. This episode is special? a recording of a panel discussion from our fourth annual Business Advantage Forum, which took place on November 4th, 2021. If you don't know about it, the forum... You should a, know you about should. it. It's a learning event we host and underwrite each year, and we donate all of the proceeds to a different charitable organization each year. This particular recording has two of our speakers discussing this year's theme, which was empowerment. Wow. And if you enjoyed the episode, we will be releasing more recordings from the forum on the podcast, or maybe we've already released them. I feel empowered just hearing Jeff Bast's voice. That's what this podcast is about, empowering you, my friend. Hearing Jeff Bast's voice. Please join us for the next forum in 2022. You can find information on our website at bastamron.com. Dot com. Enjoy. To kick us off, I would like to welcome one of our original badass insolvency litigators. This lawyer joined us in 2009, just a few months after we started the firm. And she left us for a little while when she moved back home to Ohio. But she came back and she was recently named a partner here at the firm. Please welcome. It is my honor and privilege to welcome Dana Quick. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. It is so great to scroll through and see so many familiar faces here. It's been a while since I've seen some of you guys, and hopefully next year we can all meet in person. It's really a privilege for me to be able to speak here at the beginning of, at the front end of this amazing lineup before our phenomenal panels have set the bar too high for me. When I first heard that this year's theme was empowerment, I was a little surprised, but I was also really impressed. We, our families, our communities, the world, have spent a lot of the last two years in various stages of survival. We've had to change almost everything we know about business, about how businesses operate, and even where we operate from. And if we're watching the news and we're reading the signs, People are not content to go back to whatever the status quo was before COVID. So I think it takes a leap of faith to go from mere survival and elevate it to empowerment. But I think that's exactly the leap that we should be taking to make sure that we not just survive, but that we take this moment in time to come back better, both for ourselves and for our teams. Being asked to speak here today gave me an opportunity to spend some time thinking about what empowerment meant for me personally and having some conversations with people about what empowerment means on an organizational level. On a personal level, empowerment, I've discovered, means having three crucial elements. One, having a voice and knowing that my words and thoughts are respected and heard, even if they are not agreed with. Because this allows me to affect my environment. Two, having the tools needed to carry out the job at hand and having confidence in using them. And three, having work that feels meaningful to me. These elements, as I thought about it, they translate across every job and every position I've ever held. Whether I'm thinking back to my first job as a dishwasher in a Chinese restaurant, or now as I transition to be a partner at my firm, The tools that I've needed to do each of these jobs has changed, but my need to have the right tools and to know how to use them is not. And whether I'm sweeping a floor or scraping a pot or arguing in court, 
having work that feels meaningful to me and that adds value to my clients, to my family, to my community is what's really important to me. And then when I thought about the times where I've specifically felt unempowered, each time I could think of was marked by a distinct lack of some or all of these elements. So translating this to an organizational level, we as leaders need to recognize that everyone's elements of empowerment and path to empowerment is going to look different. It takes a lot of conversation to determine what those elements are for each person and what that path looks like for a team of people that we may be looking to elevate. Empowerment itself is not self-effectuating. We leaders may feel that we've provided the space and given the tools for our team to be empowered, but it doesn't work unless they know it and they feel it. So as we walk through today together, I'd encourage you to think about your own empowerment elements and what conversations you should have within your own organizations to facilitate that feeling of empowerment organization-wide. I'm really looking forward to spending a part of today with you exploring these issues. And with this, I'm going to hand it back to Jeff. Thank you for that, Dana. Our first speaker today is certainly capable of talking about empowerment. He is an inspiration to anyone looking to climb the corporate ladder, or any ladder for that matter. Jose Sill has not only climbed the ladder to the top, but he switched ladders entirely. He started out as an in-house lawyer for Burger King in the year 2000. And in 2019, he was named the CEO of RBI, the company that owns Burger King, Tim Hortons, and Popeyes. And under Jose's leadership, the company generates over $30 billion, that's billion with a B, in global sales. And speaking of empowerment, RBI's 1,500 employees manage key functions for 27,000 locations that employ 600,000 people in 100 countries. He was named Restaurant Business's 2021 Restaurant Leader of the Year this year, but this guy is not all business. He's also happily married to an amazing wife, Annie, and together they have three adult children. It is my honor and privilege to present to you and welcome Jose Sill. All right. Thanks so much for the introduction, Jeff, and great to be here with everyone. One data point that I just learned is that I have a third child, so that's awesome. I'm excited about that. I need to talk to my wife about that, but we have two. We have two amazing kids, and we're really proud and happy parents and have been married for 27 years, so really excited. Anyhow, great to be here. Jeff, Jeff and Brett, thanks so much for including me in this amazing conference, fourth anniversary of it. And you guys have done a great job of engaging our community and really providing relevant content and feedback and kind of opportunities for business leaders in the community to talk about things that are important, relevant, and reflect on the things we need to do as leaders to drive forward and create really amazing businesses and cultures in our respective companies. And Dana, thanks for the opening remarks. They were great. I think the agenda is fantastic. The topic is super relevant, as Dana highlighted. And I'm excited to share a few minutes of my perspective on it. You know, empowering themes is a really important topic that I think should be top of mind for every business leader. I think it's essential for high-performing teams that deliver outsized results to really focus on creating the right type of environment, building awesome teams, and then empowering them to do big things that no one really thought about as you were planning the year or planning your business for the coming quarters and years. We're in a very competitive talent market. It's always been like that, but I think the last 24 months have created a lot more competition. Everyone's looking forward to becoming a more digital business. 
and having technology front and center at the table in your organization, whether you're a small startup, a services business, a product business, technology is critical and being competitive in that environment is very much a priority for us. And I think it should be for everyone who's taking the time to be part of this conference. Attracting and retaining the world's best talent is core to our business strategy at Restaurant Brands. As Jeff mentioned, we have three amazing brands, Burger King, Popeyes, and Tim Hortons. We have 27 plus thousand restaurants around the world. We have incredible franchise partners all around the world that work closely with us to drive our business. But the most important piece of it is the people that we have in our teams, the talent that we have. And it's how we return value to our shareholders. We're a publicly traded company with a market cap of about $30 billion. We have you know, very interested shareholders that are expecting big returns. We have franchisees that have the same sort of expectations. And talent and empowering your talent to drive the business forward is how we return value to those shareholders and franchisees. It's how we remain relevant to the millions of guests that we have all around the world that visit our restaurants every single day in more than 100 countries and territories. And I think as I was reflecting on this conversation, it kind of comes down to a few things. First, it's a bold vision that you need for your organization and a set of shared values. And I'm going to go into each one of these briefly. Two, I think it's the team that you have, and I'll share some thoughts on how we look at that and how we think about it. Third, it's about setting the right goals and prioritizing. Fourth, it's about the culture you create in your organization. And fifth, and probably most importantly, it's about your leadership. Whether you're a small startup, as I said earlier, in the services business, product business, or you've been around for a while, I think these elements that I just laid out are critical to creating the right type of culture and to drive the right type of empowerment of employees that helps you drive results. And I'll share briefly my experience and kind of my perspective on these. When I became CEO at RBI back in January of 2019, sort of in advance of that, when I knew it was coming, and then certainly immediately thereafter, I worked with my leadership team to kind of lay out and then introduce to the entire organization and then later to the franchisees, the bold vision, what we call our big dream for the company. We had had a relatively financial focused mission or objective we wanted to transform our vision to something much more, or our dream to something much more purpose-led and purpose-driven. So we created our dream to build the most loved restaurant brands in the world. It's a hugely aspirational dream for the organization. It's really hard to do. Everyone has a goal of growing and having scale and having more customers coming through. But to create a business, a restaurant business, that is the most loved around the entire globe with so many different competitors and different offerings out there, is highly aspirational and pretty bold and tough to get to. So we felt it was really important to set the bar really high and something that everyone had to kind of reach for and stretch for day in and day out. And it's the thing that you know wakes me up in the morning before the alarm goes off. And it's the thing I think about as I head into the evenings, you know, getting ready to go to bed. So having a big dream, whether, as I said earlier, you're starting, you're kind of down the road a bit, whether you're in services or product or any business you may be in, having that Clarity is really important. And then equally important is the values that guide the actions that you kind of take in pursuit of this big dream. So the what is the dream, the how is the values. And we sat very shortly after 2019, when I became CEO, we kind of sat down as a team and argued, debated, white papered, however you want to describe it. But as a team, we came up with what we believed are the shared values we want, the how for the organization. And the first one, I'll share them quickly with you. The first one is to dream big. And we kind of have a descriptor for each one of them. And this one, our view is that it's life is too short for small dreams. And so we want all of our 
teams, the organizational kind of main value coming out of it is go for something big, dream big, and hold everybody accountable to that. The second one is ownership. As owners, you value things much more when you own them versus when you kind of act like an employee. So we want people in the organization to behave like owners. Ownership is a key value for us. Third is meritocracy. Your growth is entirely based on what you do and how you do it. So it's kind of the opposite of democracy. Meritocracy is a mindset and a value that rewards people that do more, that accomplish more, that deliver more. And so that's a key element of our culture and our value system. The fourth is diversity. A wide range of voices and perspectives makes us stronger. And we look at this as a very important, it's one of the values that we added to our six that we thought was critical. A lot of discussion on this, and it's not because it's the right thing to do. It's not altruistic. The reason we think, I think, diversity is critical to our mission and to our success is because I firmly believe that we make better decisions and we achieve better outcomes when we have a more diverse perspective, backgrounds, and viewpoints in leadership and really throughout the organization. And we've made specific commitments on that as an organization in terms of our final candidates for new positions, whether they're coming out of undergrad programs or their professional hires, 50% of all final round candidates should be diverse in gender and other demonstrably diverse backgrounds. So we're committed to this and believe it's a very important part of how we get to our dream of building the most loved restaurant brands. The fifth value is creativity and innovation, finding ways to do things differently, to make them better, really important. And finally, authenticity. So being a hardworking, good person, which I think is a key to our success and certainly was one of the anchors that we leaned on or we held onto during the pandemic. When you make decisions, thinking about it from the perspective of what's the right thing to do for people and being a good person and making the right choices for people based on that, you usually make the right call, whether it's related to customers, to franchisees, or to our own team members. So values and vision, kind of the first area that I wanted to focus on. The second area is who's on your team. And I think you need to be purposeful here. As a leader in your business, you need to decide who you want on your team. And at RBI, we have a mix of talent that we purposefully pursue. Undergraduates, so we have a rotational program. We bring in undergraduates from some of the best universities all around the country and all around the world. And we bring them in to go through rotation programs in marketing and operations, development, finance, and supply chain, and others in order to learn the business and get a feel for who we are, what our values are, our culture. And then they can be part of the growth prospects and the bench of talent that we have as we grow all around the globe. The second kind of fountain of talent that we pursue are MBAs. They come with experience already and obviously have some ambitions as they've gone in and pursued additional education to get prepared for bigger roles in the company or in different companies. So we have about probably 10% of the talent. We bring about 300 people or 350 people in a year. About 10% of those are coming in from MBA programs. And then the bulk of it or the balance of it are professional hires. And so I think it's important as you're building your plans and building your organization and you're thinking about where you want to get to and you're trying to figure out how to empower teams, you've got to start with that vision, your values, and then think about who's going to be on your team. And then specifically, like, what are you looking for? Obviously, education and background, these things are important experience in some cases as well. But I think there's some intangibles that are important as well, and probably more important as you're kind of determining who's going to be part of your team and going to help you get to where you want to get to. First is finding hardworking, good people. Second, I think it's really important to find folks that have a lot of experience or a lot of confidence in the ability to solve problems. And you don't have to be an engineer for that. I think lawyers tend to have a really strong education for 
and kind of experience in terms of problem solving, the ability to identify issues, the rule that applies to that issue, do the analysis, and then come up with the conclusions to solve a problem, whether it's for one side of the dispute or the other. I think lawyers are well trained for this. The other kind of quality that we look for is ambition. People that want to do big things, that have big ambitions, and put that objective and goal above themselves. I think that's a really important quality. Humility and curiosity. People that are open to different ideas are not looking to implement their idea, but are trying to find the right outcome, what's best to address the problem at hand. That requires a very different mindset than someone who's like really wedded to their ideas and digs in and just fights to kind of get their idea across. It doesn't matter whose idea it is, as long as it's the best one and helps you get to the best outcome. People that are collaborative are very important as you're trying to build something really big. And I think if anyone's interested in reading or thinking differently about the profiles or the kind of characteristics of people that might be quite uh, impactful in your organizations, I'd suggest reading anything from Adam Grant, the Warden Professor. He's got a book on about givers and takers, and he kind of argues, I think, pretty convincingly that the people that are takers, even though they may be super talented, may not be the most constructive for your organization. Givers are the ones that have a much more long-term impact and broader impact on organizations as you're trying to build something really big. So check out Adam Grant's book. The next area that I'd look at is setting big goals and prioritizing. As you're building teams and you're empowering teams, the teams need to know what to chase. So you've got a big dream. You've got your values. You've kind of started to decide what sort of people you're looking for for your organization. They need to know what are the big goals and how to prioritize. I think it's one of the most important pieces that we can provide as leaders. Set big targets, but importantly, tell people what's important and what to go chase. But equally, what's not? Probably one of the biggest areas of difficulty for big organizations or almost any organization is trying to do too much. As a leader, I think you need to be ruthless when it comes to priorities and setting the right targets, the right things to go after and what's not important and what not to go chase. Something that I spend a lot of time on with my teams. Next, it's culture. What's the environment that you want to create in your organization? This is critical to creating empowerment and driving innovation and growth, which is I think what everybody seeks to do in a leadership role, creating an environment and a culture that's open, that encourages risk-taking, celebrating failures as much as we celebrate, if not more, than what we celebrate accomplishments, encouraging a culture of challenge and moving challenging authority, challenging perspectives, viewpoints so that you get to the right outcomes, as I said earlier. I think for this one, probably most compelling is this idea. If you think about, go back to 1961, May of 1961, when President Kennedy stood in front of Congress and, and he gave probably the most far-reaching speech of all time. It's now known as the moonshot speech, where he said that he has this vision dream of a man landing on the moon, and then we would bring him back. It was a crazy idea. He had, no one had any clue how to do that at the time. It was the stuff of Star Trek and like really far-out ideas. No one had the science figured out yet. They were beginning to think about rockets and these sorts of things, but they didn't really know how to get somewhere outside of planet Earth and come back. Setting that type of goal, that type of objective, creating that type of environment and culture and having everybody rally around that's a massive undertaking. And looking back in history, we know what happened. It's probably the most powerful and inspiring moment in history. And I had a chance recently to talk to a gentleman by the name of Astro Teller. He's the CEO of Google X, or now called Alphabet X. And it's basically Google's venture organization that comes up with their moonshots, ideas that they think 10 years from now can solve big problems in society and have a big impact on their company. 
His title is actually not CEO. He's actually called Captain of Moonshots. He's kind of built on some of the work that you saw that NASA did and some of the big innovative companies have done. There's a great talk online. It's a video called Secret Sauce for Taking Moonshots. And it's all about the mindset, more so than the specific initiatives that they've done at Google or Alphabet. It's really more around the mindset, the type of culture, routines, mindset you need to have as a leader to create an environment where innovation drives growth and you encourage and empower people to do really big things. If you have you know, 30 minutes or so, a great talk to really inspire you to think big and to think about how to drive change and empower your organization to do really big things. And then the final point is on leadership. And I think the most important message here is that as leaders, we own it. And none of the things that I talked about here should be delegated. You, obviously, you'll have people to help you out from HR or different parts of the organization. We have talent acquisition specialists that go out and recruit people. But hiring, the culture you set, setting goals, priorities, that's so important as a leader. Don't delegate that. Be your own hiring specialist. Be your own chief culture officer. Be the person that sets goals. Be involved in that process. Obviously, listen and be engaged and curious and keep an open mind. Make sure you listen to all perspectives and come up with the best possible paths and goals and priorities for the business. But take a very active ownership mindset in this process. Otherwise, you delegate this and you won't get to the outcomes that you want. And so my view on leadership with these sorts of things is don't delegate it, own it. I think you have a really good chance of getting to amazing outcomes and creating the right type of empowerment culture in your organization if you kind of stay true to this framework that I just laid out. I wanted to share some of my thoughts and ideas. I think you have an amazing... I looked at the list of participants, Jeff and Brett, for this session. It's awesome. And when I look back at my journey, we had a really big opportunity in RBI to do something special. We've got a great brand. We have a great team. We decided to set a new dream, shared values, and then come together to create the culture that empowers our organization and each of our team members to do something big, encourage us to fail, fail fast, learn from those mistakes, and keep going. I think those are the key secrets to creating an empowering culture with your employees and doing big things. So excited to have been part of this. Looking forward to seeing how you guys evolve and keep growing and happy to connect with any of you offline when the opportunity arises. Thanks so much. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.